Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined this week by my friend Pat Corain, giving uh, Andrew Barron the uh, the week off because he is Pacific time and I wake up super early Central time. So, like uh, honestly, like half of my day's work is done by the time Andrew wakes up. So I am joined by my good friend Patrick Corain, bringing him back on on the podcast that he basically uh, co-hosted this off season. Always, <laughs> always good to have pat on the show I, I just i i realized this the other day because i dm'd you and pete i was like we talked every day during the off season about something and then it gets to be the season and we just all go our separate ways i know dude and there was like a, a period around like week seven or eight or something where i was like feeling pretty bummed out so it's like i haven't like talked to davis i haven't like talked to it's just you kind of get in your own little bubble of like your routine and i feel like over the last maybe three four weeks you had me on the take cast and like it, we kind of like the schedules hasn't lightened up exactly, but it's just, you're, like you're in such a, it. you're in such a good rhythm that you can, that you can do some other stuff that, yes. that like you, you've got the, okay, I do my podcast here. I, I go on TV. Now I do my waivers now. And it's just like a little bit easier to, but like that first, like six weeks of the season, it just feels like every day. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to get all this crap done. Yeah, because yeah, it wild. is a shock to the system from like the off season where you're quite busy, but it's almost, you know, a lot of it's fun. A lot of it's kind of the, you know. Yeah, I mean, drafting, drafting is the best part. Like, it, like everyone, everyone knows that that is uh, the best. So this is the DFS game by game uh, preview show. And I, I already know from doing the projections, I go through and do the first round of projections. Uh, this is going to be a slate that swings big time based on injuries so we have the jd mckissick stuff for the washington football team um you know seattle has a 25 point team total we don't really know who's going to be playing running back for them you know we don't know if mcnichols is going to be back for the titans like there's just is a, a ton of stuff so uh this is always you know more of a a first look show so i guess we can go ahead and get into it with the first game the kansas city chiefs at home to the las vegas raiders and and apparently the market is really buying the Chiefs defense because the Raiders have a team total of 19 and a half. This is actually another one that's going to be impacted by injuries. So Kenyon Drake broke his ankle, but Jalen Richard was not active last week because he is on the COVID list. I, I don't have him projected in right now. Um, so I think they would have like Trey Regis active as their third running back or whatever. But Jacobs would actually probably be a smash against the Chiefs if Richard is not able to be activated because I don't think they're going to play Peyton Barber on passing downs. Yeah, why would you? Peyton Barber is a two-down grinder. Uh, you know, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to use Jacobs in the receiving game, something that we've been assuming they would do since they drafted him. Since they, they drafted him. Yeah. 
and uh, you know some of that weirdness is kind of in the rearview mirror because it was related to John Gruden, I assume. And we've already seen Jacobs get used. A He's lot trended up in targets here. with the new coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. So uh, reasonable to expect that he would have like a legit three down roll if Richard's not activated. And Jacobs is like, I don't think he's a great running back, but he's like a very solid running back. I've always thought he's pretty uh, decent. He just has, he just yeah. has like a gross role. It's like the team treated him like he was Adrian Peterson. Yeah. I kind of like, I compare him a little bit to James Connor in the, uh, the walkthrough last week, um, which I don't know. It feels like maybe at this point it's like a, like a bad comparison or something, but Connor was quite effective as a young player. And uh, you know, just one of these guys who's like, fairly elusive he's not going to give you like a ton of breakaway stuff but he's a competent receiver um and in a big role i think you know that that can that's plenty yeah no no doubt so on the chief side of the ball i mean honestly it's it's really just it's very discouraging uh they are a low volume run for not i guess they're not a run first team like they still skew the right way in terms of run pass but they are um you know, they're, they're just, they're controlling the ball. They're keeping everything in front of the defense. And, you know, I, I, I made this note the other day that in the old chiefs offense, this new role that Byron Pringle has found would it, like, he would have been like a super hot waiver wire pickup as clearly the number two wide receiver, uh, you know, running a ton of routes. I think he got 72% of the snaps in that Denver Broncos game, but it just, it just doesn't matter because all else things being equal, uh, Andy Reed is, is not tr- like, you know, he's not trying to go out and score 40 points. I, I know that Mahomes, what he had 404, 405, the last time they, they scored 41 points against the Raiders the last time they played. But I don't think that any of these Chiefs guys are, are actually going to be that popular. I mean, I only have Tyreek for like 19 points because of how their offense is skewed, which is it's just bizarre. And the Raiders are a run funnel too. So, yeah. Uh, you know, not that the Chiefs are going to shift heavily to the run because they are the Chiefs, but you could see them more tilted to the run than they usually are, uh, which I, I think makes options like Pringle a lot less interesting. Like, you know, even if they tilt to the run, Hill can get there, obviously. Kelsey can get there. But Yeah, I, I wonder if Hill is actually like a really strong term. I mean, we have him projected to be super owned, but I, I guess it, it just kind of depends on what. I, and maybe I'll tweak the projections a little bit more. But I mean, Mahomes only like 7% against the Raiders. I mean, he's he's sort of interesting. But like, I, I don't know. It's just like the Chiefs are on a slate and it's like no one cares because they're boring now, you know. Yeah, and Edwards Elaire isn't like an exciting option. There's some split there with the backfield. So you but have I mean, any I guess, uh, like, do you have any thoughts on Foster Moreau? He he got bumped up to four thousand. But I mean the role the role was there. I mean he he ran he ran all the routes. He was out there like eighty five percent. I mean he wasn't out there for a hundred percent of the snaps, but I mean he did almost score a touchdown too. Uh he he had a red zone target and had he like hopped over the safety on his long reception, he would have scored. He ran around on uh, 62% of dropbacks, which isn't great. Uh, yeah. And the other thing with him, so his, his ADOT was actually fairly high last week. Uh, yeah. Well, very high, 19.3 ADOT last week. But prior to that, he's had like a an ADOT that's more like, you know, five, six. And so I never really bought that he was 
like a true one for one for Darren Waller, even in a role sense, because I I think he's like more of kind of like a slot receiver playing. He's Jason end. Witten. Yeah, it's Jason Witten, where Waller's like, you know, like an alpha wide receiver at tight end. Uh, yeah. He gets downfield. He's actually like driving the offense in a way that Moreau, I don't think ever really had a chance of, of doing. So, uh, you know, is that like a non really chalky option? I suppose it's fine, but the team total is definitely scary. And like, how much are you buying the chiefs defense? Not at all. I, I think it's, I think it's incredibly smoke and mirrors. I just think it's more about uh, what the, like what the offense not giving them short fields because the turnovers have stopped too. So they, so mm-hmm. they're the other teams aren't getting extra possessions. I mean, the, to, the, the real truth is that the defense was not that bad to begin with. Like it was, they were being put in a bunch of impossible situations. They were having to face these long drives. The, the offense was like turning the ball over very quickly in succession. Uh, like uh, I've seen smart people make this point about the Titans game that, you know, basically it was, it was like one of the most random games you're ever going to see that, that the offense would gain, they, they would gain 60 yards in like 45 seconds of game clock. And then they would turn the ball over and then Derrick Henry right. would just start it, you know, and that's like the, the worst situation to be against Derrick Henry is having um, a tough defense. Uh, all right. So let's move to Dallas against Washington. Amari Cooper played only 34% of the snaps in his last game, I, I have him projected to come back and get a, a full role here, though. I, I think that this, I mean, Gallup is just so good. Right. And I, and I think that that's something that has become clear over the last couple of weeks of the season is that Gallup's presence on the field. I don't think he impacts CD ceiling at all, but I do think he impacts how many targets we can expect Amari Cooper to get like a, uh, you know, CD is 7,200, Cooper is 5,900, and Gallup is 5,500, and neither of them look like great values at all, really. Yeah, I agree with you about CD's ceiling, because I think in some ways his ceiling is uh, is maybe even a little higher with Because he gets more Gallup slot snaps. Back. Exactly. He gets more. And as long as he's going to be, uh, you know, on the field in, in two wide receiver sets, then I don't really care about um, – you know, in fact, I actually like that he's in the slot in three wide receiver sets, and so it, it kind of offsets the uh, the additional kind of target competition. I think, at least in terms of a ceiling, uh, maybe his median comes down a bit, but um, but yeah, I mean, Cooper and and Gallup kind of look set to cannibalize each other. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, I just am not interested in Ezekiel Elliott. I'm really not. I mean, the the role is like so whatever. He's going to get his short yardage touchdowns, but he just, he like, because he is so non-explosive at this point, his upside would be tied to getting like a Jonathan Taylor-esque workload, but that's not happening because they, there's, there's been a, like, it's like a 60-40 timeshare between Zeke and Pollard. Now Zeke does still get all the, the high value touches in the green zone, but I, I just don't think he can get 30 really hard, hardly at all the way they're playing now. Yeah. And this matchup is pretty interesting where like, if you want to pick one of Gallup and Cooper, then go CD. I mean, Prescott is in a pretty good spot here. He's his accuracy this year has been better than his efficiency. Like to the point where we'd now probably expect like a little bit of positive regression in his, um, in his efficiency. And obviously Washington's a pass funnel. They've been a little bit better recently but i don't think enough to kind of shake things up 
dramatically. And then the other thing that's interesting about Dallas, right? They opened the season against the Buccaneers with a 21% pass rate over expected. Yep. And then like, it turns out, right, it's week one. So they set the trend that the Buccaneers are going to be this big pass funnel. I think correctly identifying something about the Buccaneers defense, then like just absolutely, you know, running the ball. We, no, uh, passing the ball, just passing the ball. Oh stop. yeah. In that game, in that game, in that game. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and doing it in a way where we thought, Oh man, they're just going to pass all the time. Then the following week they get the chargers and they have an, they have a minus 11% pass rate over expected going super run heavy. So now we're all confused, but they identified those. Those are the clearest two matchups, as it turns out, in the league, where the Chargers are the biggest run funnel and the Buccaneers are the biggest pass funnel. They identified them right out of the gate of the season and attacked them heavily, you know, where those defenses are weak. It would make sense to me that they do attack Washington pretty heavily through the air this week. Uh, they haven't played Washington yet, so we don't have a data point on that. Um, and so I kind of like Dak, you know, Dak stacks, uh, as opposed to trying to play the, the backfield here. Yeah. Um, and then on the Washington side of the ball, I'm not really interested in McLaurin other than as a bring back in, in Dallas stacks, if you did want to do that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Gibson on DraftKings at 6,000? If McKissick does play, like, do we, do we think that the cat is out of the bag and there's no putting it back in I that's I mean obviously that's my hope and and I mean even before McKissick got hurt he did score the two touchdowns against Seattle but Gibson had basically up to that point like the biggest workload of his career was in that game so I I think either way Gibson is still probably a really strong play yeah I guess it comes down to like how many people are playing him uh if McKissick because I mean he won't be super popular but the Dallas has a good defense uh so I don't love it if McKissick is back. You just, you know, they're going to play McKissick a fair amount, and they, we know exactly what role he's going to be in. He's going to be catching passes, and that's going to hurt Gibson. It just is. Right. And it's not a great matchup as, as is. So, you know, the touchdown equity that you're getting with Gibson isn't great. Um, so I, I'm a little bit skittish, but certainly, you know, it probably comes with very low ownership. Yeah. And then – uh, if Ricky Seals Jones is not able to play, I mean, John Bates is just going to be Logan Thomas or whatever. Like he, he came in, he got four targets after Logan Thomas got hurt. Actually, he got a target even before Logan Thomas did last week, uh, for, for our bros still grinding the FFPC main event, John Bates is out there. And then, so the other question would be is if Ricky Seals Jones does play in this game, does one of them get that super valuable role where they're just out there every snap, or do we think they split it? I think one of them gets a super valuable role. Yeah. Uh, I don't and I know think it would be Ricky Seals-Jones. I, I think Dude, it would okay. be. Yeah. Yeah, I think the guy who plays ahead is going to play all the snaps because we've, we've seen that. Like, we just – that's just what they do. That's just what they, they do. Yeah, yeah, they don't rotate. So – Yeah. And I – I mean, I'm in on this role. Like, it's – it's uh, Every it's every guy who's the had it, the, the worst – I think uh, the worst game that any uh, – Bates – RSJ, Logan Thomas, their worst game was three for 30. And that was Bates in his start. He got three for 30 on like 98% of the snaps or something. Yeah. So it's just, a, it's just a really good role. Uh, all right. Seattle at Houston. Uh, I mean, 
I'm not playing any of the running backs. Like I don't care between, you know, maybe, maybe you could talk me into Penny as a dart, but I think even then Peterson is still going to get the goal line stuff. What I am more interested in is $6,700 Tyler Lockett, $6,500 DK Metcalf. I feel like uh, Russ, Russ kind of showed me enough last, like, I don't think Russ is back, but he did kind of show me enough last, last week that I think these guys are like in the conversation again. Yeah. So Russ, there's a metric um, on, on Ben Baldwin's site that I use uh, rbsdm.com. He's got completion percentage over expected up there. And going back to like when Russ entered the league through 2020 is the most accurate quarterback by completion percentage over expected. It's just like, that's a superpower beyond the mobility. Just he's so accurate. So accurate. And his accuracy had cratered following his return from injury this year. He was second in CPOE uh, prior to injury this year. And then just abysmal when he came back from the finger injury, which would make sense. Like his finger yeah. was literally. Yeah. That's lo- that's logical. Yeah. It was back up last week. And so I'm, I'm in the same page. I'm on the same page as you where he showed me enough. He flashed the accuracy again. If the accuracy is back, he's Russ. Like it, he's still Russ in this offense. That's kind of cratering and Pete Carroll is going to limit him as much as he can. But uh, I like, one of Lockett or Metcalf this week. I don't. I don't think I'm in on Russ stacks. Yeah, um, same. I guess you could single stack it, but well, no, especially because the Texans are not going to force. Like the Texans yeah. are not going to force them. You know, I, the the Texans with with Davis Mills. I mean, I, I'm literally. I'm not not wasting our time talking about any Texans players. Um, and and the running back. The running back situation is is super toxic as well. Uh, so yeah. we honestly another very similar game. The Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think McNichols is going to be back this week. Um, so what do you see happening with Hilliard? Um, you know, my, my assumption has been McNichols is going to get that job back when he comes back. Like, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that they'll do the three-way split. I think that Hilliard will go back to being a special teamer. Cause remember Hilliard was on the team already. He was a practice squatter when the original injury happened and they didn't even call him up. They signed Peterson instead. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that McNichols will also have a role, but I wonder if you know Hilliard eats into Deontay Foreman's role a bit. Um, I mean, he did have uh, 35 percent of the backfield attempts uh, and led in snaps in Week Twelve. So, uh, you know, it makes me wonder, like, is Foreman's role completely safe? Is it still a three-way? I, I think Foreman's role is completely safe. I, I think I think they they view Foreman as their uh, Derrick Henry facsimile, right? Big guy, very yeah. up, very upright runner, very north to south. Like he's not, yeah. uh, he, he's he's not running a ton of routes. Like, so if I was gonna play one of them. Uh, and I don't even have, I actually have Hilliard for a little bit more points this week. One, because it's the Jaguars, which is the only reason this conversation is even happening. And two, they still don't have any healthy wide receivers unless Julio comes back to play this week. I mean, uh, some guy by the name of Cody Hollister, who I, I don't know who that is, was their second leading uh, route runner uh, against the Patriots and actually got four targets. Um, and he's the stone man. to Jacob Hollister? Probably, uh, honestly, probably they are. I, I would. Uh, I'll. I'll Google it. I'll Google it. Um, 
but I mean, maybe, maybe Nick, Nick Westbrook, uh, Akeen, Akine, he's 4,500. I mean, it is the Jaguars, right? Like it, it is the Jaguars. And, yeah. I mean, like it's kind of uh, a consideration, I think, because it is the Jaguars. And what, you know, the thing with the Titans is that Tannehill's play action rate has been way down since uh, he lost Derrick Henry and his efficiency has been way down. He was fifth in EPA per play with Derrick Henry in the lineup. Uh, he's fallen way, way down since then uh, down to 23rd. So his accuracy's dropped since Henry's out of the lineup. And I, you know, so to some extent, I think it's kind of like on Tannehill, the, his, his slump yeah. um, post Henry, but their play action rate has dropped from 12th. His the, Tannehill was 12th in play action rate. He's now 24th uh, in the weeks without Henry. So that I think we know that this is the way that Tannehill's effective is, is on those play action that, you know, there's wide receiver injuries. There's his own accuracy to deal with. It's not like just clear cut. This is causing everything. But the fact that we're talking about this backfield because of the matchup, I also think helps the passing in because they're going right. to be able to get things going a little bit on the ground. They're going to be kind of the classic Titans to some extent, just because the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is so bad. That does make like a, a Westbrook a King punt, at least like interesting. Yeah. The only, I think, I, I think the only um, Jaguar who is interesting at all is uh, O'Shaughnessy. Uh, he, yeah. He's really, he's I mean, 2,900. He played 86% of the snaps last week. Now he did give up more snaps to Luke Farrell and Chris Manhurts than Dan Arnold was giving, but he still led the team in targets. He's 2,900. He'll be very popular this week. He'll, he'll most people will probably play him uh, in cash, but I, I am not talking about James Robinson and, uh, we can, we can just avoid, uh, bringing up the fact that Laquan Treadwell leads the Jaguars and snaps over the last three weeks. Cause that is it's just really depressing. Uh, yes, it just, is. Just, oh, and also by the way, Cody Hollister and Jacob Hollister twin brothers. Um, so there you go. Wow. All right. Twin brothers. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You, you learn, I, we, I we, we play. learn lots of interesting nuggets on, uh, on, on this show. Yeah, I'd rather play uh, John Bates than uh, James O'Shaughnessy. If you know. If oh, you're Bates. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Um, all right. Honestly, a game again. No, no one I want to play in in Baltimore, Cleveland. I mean, maybe Lamar. Uh, like like literally unstacked. Like I think un unstacked Lamar or with um Mark Andrews, but Lamar has not even been running. Uh, as much over his his most recent sample so eight for 55 I guess he did run a, a, a bunch against Cleveland when we saw them play two weeks ago but that was like one of the worst games of Lamar's career and the Browns just want to play super ugly right now because they have no um you know faith or, or like they just do not believe in in Baker Mayfield although the one situation I could see uh being interesting in this game is if Kareem Hunt does not play because the beat writers were saying that he got banged up. Um, you know, he got banged up at the, at the end of that Baltimore game, and then Cleveland went on their bye. But I, I searched on NBC Sports Edge yesterday and did not see a blurb updating Kareem Hunt's status, so I don't know if he's healthy or not. Well, I've, I'm going to be doing the news after we finish this pod, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take a look and see if I can find anything on Hunt. But, I mean, even if, even if Hunt doesn't play, are you really that interested in, in Nick Chubb at 7,600 no. in the con like this offense is so bad. Like this, this honestly, the Browns are at a Jaguars uh, Texans level of offensive efficiency 
uh, over the last month of the season. Like it's, it's really bad. They have gained on offense 262 yards against the Ravens, 349, but it was the Lions, and 217 against the Patriots. I mean, it's just really bad. It is really bad, and the way you beat the Ravens is through deep passes. Deep, so yeah. it's like, it and they have no corners. Well. Marlon Humphrey is is banged up now too. Yeah, but they're like pretty good against the run, the Ravens. So it's just not a great matchup for the Browns um, or like anyone you'd want to play on the Browns. I mean, like I I do like small field GPPs, so same. Like yeah, like I I do like really, but that's the kind if, of if I was I think you'd... if I was do uh, doing one fifty, uh, I would I would get to five percent DPJ. I think because also because he can do it on three plays. I mean, he can get right. he can get he can get the bonus and a touchdown on three plays. Exactly. I think that's probably the only way I'd I'd sprinkle in like any Browns. To be honest. Yeah. Um, all right, now finally a game that's at least interesting on, on one side, the New Orleans Saints playing at the Jets. And the reason why it's interesting is, one, I expect Alvin Kamara to be back this mm-hmm. week. And two, Taysom Hill is priced at $5,600 on DraftKings. And I think he is just a stone-cold jam. If we assume the play calling is going to be the way that it was last week, but he suffered this mallet finger injury. And I don't know what that is. I mean, they could bench him. They they could they could go back to Simeon here, or they could do both of them, or or whatever. Like it, the 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 it, Taysom Hill is already a a sketchy proposition as a passing quarterback to begin with. But when you add in a finger injury that just turned Russell Wilson from the most accurate quarterback of like all time into uh, a guy who who couldn't score, what who they get shut out against? I don't even remember. They got shut out against somebody like. Taysom Hill playing with that same injury does not inspire confidence in me. No, it doesn't. And the other thing with the Jets, I mean, the way you beat the Jets is by playing them. So it's right. not like you can, you can only beat them one way. You beat them however you want. But uh, they're very susceptible to deep passes. And Simeon has been absolutely awful this year, but he actually has been willing to throw deep. So part of me wonders, like, if, if there's any way to get away from some kind of quarterback split, because if you're game planning, like even if Hill was healthy, you'd be kind of tempted if you're Sean Payton to have Simeon, you know, maybe in there a little bit just to try to challenge the defense. Deep. I mean, we've, we've always said this, right. The court, the, the, the offensive coordinator or play caller who we said would actually do a two quarterback system. We, we talked about this in the preseason, you and I about Jameis and Taysom, like it would actually make sense because they have totally divergent skill sets Taysom is great in short yardage, great in the red zone. Jameis not as good as though in those spots because he loves to take risks. Um, right. And and I mean Simeon is just like dime store, uh, deep throwing quarterback or whatever. Like he's really bad. Yeah, and he's but on I, sale today. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's he, so he, bad. He sure is. Um, <laughs> but I I do think this is a question that people are going to have to ask themselves for stuff this week because Taysom in every optimizer system you use. Taysom is going to be the quarterback that they want you to use for no doubt. Yeah. And Leone's talked about this, uh, like this, this input volatility type of stuff where it's like the projections that you're using. Everyone's going to have to make a decision on Hill, you know, and they're probably yes. going to make, they're probably going to tamp down his, his attempts a little bit and his efficiency, maybe a little bit, but it's like, ultimately the decision I don't even is probably have going to come him. in. I don't even have him for a crazy amount of rushing. I have him for 20% of the rushes, Kamara for 50 and uh, Mark Ingram for 25. 
percent. Yeah. Yeah, but because of the matchup, like unless you basically exactly. take a stand that no one will take, and no one really should take, that he's just like going to play like fifty percent of the quarterback snaps or something, then he's going to project awesome. But there is risk of that, so I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'll obviously just be kind of monitoring and make a decision. But I mean, I, 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 I will play Minshew last week, so I'm I'm yeah. very open to the idea. I will play Taysom in tournaments just because I don't. I always stack like i always say on these shows like oh yeah you can play this guy naked but i i never really do it so i probably won't play Taysom, especially because i think he probably will be the most owned quarterback but i will be playing alvin kamara at 7900 i mean that that is just a gift of a price even if Taysom doesn't throw to the running backs as much which he doesn't yeah i mean the touchdown equity here you know he's kind of like a we just saw miles sanders get there against the jets and it's like a similar thing yeah where you know you break up big plays and score touchdowns and stuff all right, Atlanta against Carolina. This is our, our first slate trying to deal with, um, you know, what the Amir Abdullah Chuba Hubbard backfield is going to be look like. I have Abdullah for more points. He's 4,800 because I have him expected to play the passing downs and it is the Falcons. But I think the fact that this is a clear 50-50 where both of the running backs are losing massive amounts of touchdown equity to the quarterback, uh, it makes both of them pretty thin. I mean, it's not going to surprise me if one of them does have a good game. Like if we show up on Sunday afternoon and, you know, one of them racks up like 21 DK points, I, I won't be that surprised. Cause again, so much of the system is built around getting the running back the ball. Cause they thought they were going to have Christian McCaffrey and a two-way split is like passable, but also the other issue is neither of these guys are that good. So that that's like a significant impediment, you know? I don't like cover here more than I wouldn't play. I wouldn't be looking to play either of these guys but like yeah. if i had to spot start one or something i'd play hubbard just because they just fired joe brady for passing too much for passing or too for, much or for not running a ton is really what it was and uh hubbard is the guy for that so you know if the offense is basically just going to be like a bunch of zone read stuff with newton it's probably hubbard who benefits but i mean if know, they if point, they really do if they run 35 times in this game, Hubbard can have a great game. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's yeah. true. But Yeah, but I I, know. it's also like a little thin. I, I don't think I'm going to get there on it. They, they finally have increased the price on Patterson a little bit, who played a little bit less at running back and a little bit more at wide receiver last week. Uh, I mean, he still got his touches as a running back, but uh, he, he, again, gave up some more. He, he gave up more work to Mike Davis. Mike Davis got back up to like an 11% target share last week that pro I mean the, the the interesting question is and I can't believe we're having this discussion because of how much we hated this guy in the preseason but uh Russell Gage he's a special athlete Davis he, he sure is he's got like a 24 percent target share in the last couple of weeks and it's like it, you know it's he it's the most uh dime store Julian Edelman impression ever he adds nothing mm. after the catch he is not athletic but I mean, the offense does need to throw to someone, and for whatever reason, it's it's not Kyle Pitts, which is a mystery that I, the the Kyle Pitts thing is just so bizarre to me. Like, how can we not get this guy the ball more? It is bizarre, and it's also bizarre because it's like not happening in the red zone. Like, he's just not getting any end zone, red zone targets, etc. And it's also this franchise that has a history of not throwing to Julio Jones, for you know, in the end zone. So it's like, what's is there just like your whatever your best player is, you don't involve uh in the touchdown scoring areas it's, it's very strange uh i'm not really in on gauge i mean he's he's 5700 on DraftKings. like i i feel like we're going to be able to find better options for the price this is a good defense they're up against uh this is probably a, 
Panthers team that's going to be very run heavy. Like I very much buy that. You can't fire Joe Brady and then not be super run heavy the following week. Right. So uh, they had the bye week to put in, you know, whatever crazy new run heavy game plan they want to do. So it's probably going to be a slow game. Probably not going to be a ton of volume. Uh, I, I don't think I'm in really on anyone in the passing game. Patterson's and it's, a little and, bit and it's not even a, it's not even in the dome. This one is at Carolina. Maybe if it was in the dome, I'd be a little bit more interested. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't love the options here. Okay, Detroit versus Denver. Two big questions, actually three. Uh, one, do we buy Amon Ross St. Brown twenty four percent target share? Two, do we think that Jamal Williams? 47% snap share is real, or was that just a weird thing in the game? And he's going to be more back to like what DeAndre Swift was playing. And then three, can the Broncos put the genie back in the bottle with Javante Williams after that game against the Chiefs? Because Melvin Gordon should be back this week. And do they basically go back and do a 50-50 split? Or is Javante, you know, going to be 70-30 with Melvin Gordon here? On well, the Amara stuff, I- I'm kind of in. He ran yeah, around yeah, 98% of dropbacks. We know, like, there was a big offseason narrative uh, that, you know, I'm, you know, Amara was going very high in dynasty rookie drafts because it's like Jared Goff slot receiver. And I was very out on that because it's like, well, it's also like Jared Goff might not be there after right. this year. And Amara St. Brown's a fourth round pick. He might not be very good. You yeah, know, he cetera, might not even make the team. Yeah. But, but he's here now, and, you know, I think there is an opportunity down the stretch here to, uh, to provide some fantasy value. And uh, Goff was looking I mean, for his, his price week. did get all the way hiked up. He's $5,000 on DraftKings, so if you believe it, you got to pay for it. Yeah, which you don't love. But, but yeah, I, I'm kind of in um, at least somewhat on him. Uh, the Jamal Williams stuff I also buy. I mean, there's no reason – like. They had, do you, they had, do you uh, know Jefferson about? And, do you know what? about Iguabuke? He was a converted safety. Safety, yeah. yeah. Never played running yeah. back till he got to the NFL. Well, because so one of the things I was covering the game where he scored his first touchdown, uh, and so that means I was I was putting up the blurbs on the site for for all the relevant players. You have to make a decision about who gets like a sports headline, which means sure. you're tweeted out, shows up on the page. Uh, but you sometimes have blurbs that like are in the feed, but we don't like flag them as headlines. So I flagged uh, Iguabuque's touchdown as like a headline, which which I was told is like far below the headline status. Far but it below. was his first career touchdown. So I remember looking him up and be like, hey, this guy's like 27, never scored a touchdown. Like, probably, probably his first competitive football touchdown ever. Probably didn't ever, score probably. one. Probably didn't score one in college. Let's let's look and see. Uh, if he scored one, nope, no touchdowns, no touchdowns in college. He, he did have one reception at, uh, at Northwestern. Good All for right, him. Well, I'm, I'm glad I headlined it though. Yeah. I think, I think that was, <laughs> I think that was a deserved headline. Yeah. Uh, what about, what about Javante and Melvin? What do you think? I mean, you know, I want to say like, ah, oh, it's Javante all the way. And, you know, Melvin, but I think they, they knew what they had weeks ago in Javante. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's, it's not a surprise. Yeah, so I would imagine that we see like a probably a, a 60-40 split in favor of Javante, but I don't think we'll get to 70. And I wouldn't rule out Melvin leading in snaps 
Like as stupid as that would be, yeah. I just you just can't rule it out. No, I think you're right. I do. I think you're I think you're right. I think there's enough meat on the bone and Javante will be efficient enough that I think that uh you can justify playing him even at 14, 15% owned, but it is it's certainly much thinner than it was last week. Yeah. I mean, I played not in a- week 12 and he got there. You know, and yeah. he actually was not uh you know, because that was the post bye week thing, and you thought maybe he was going to be the lead back, and he wasn't. It was right. the same split, but he's good enough to where he can still get there. Uh, I just wouldn't count on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, wow, there just are not really that many great games this week. Kind of a kind of a last week was last week was so awesome, and there were so many good plays, and it's uh, it's far. I, I guess no, I Judy, feel like I keep saying like, man, eh, not interested. Right. Like, like, yeah. Ju- Judy. I could see Judy being playable here. I mean, he's been, he's been terrible, but he is out there a ton. And I don't know, it is the lions that that's all I got on him really. And the lions actually have been much more beatable through the air. They've started to become like, they're not a good defense by any means, but they've, they've kind of got it together a little bit in recent weeks. And their run defense is like somewhat respectable now where they're, their past which would still which ex- would extremely beatable that would make sense given like their coach right because he's like you got to stop yes. you, you got to stop the run you know right like we can't we can't get beat we can't be giving up five yards per carry like that would that would totally make sense right meanwhile justin jefferson is just absolutely it's just yeah just dominating <laughs> yeah. them yeah. yeah all right we have the chargers playing at home to probably jake Fromm with the new york giants um you know, maybe if Kadarius Tony is able to get back this week, he is 5,100. Uh, I mean, look, Freddie Kitchens calling the plays, right? I don't know. It's kind of the yeah. stuff he used to do with Jarvis Landry where the, the the plan would just be get this guy the ball 12 times game. I, I, I could – and Fromm is terrible, but I could see a little bit of Tony. Zero interest in Barkley. It's just – it's so bad. Um, you know, for Barkley to bury you – I mean, he hasn't even he hasn't even gotten you know twenty touches since coming back from injury. The, the offense sucks. It's just it's just no good. But the Chargers are far more interesting. They have one of the highest team totals of the slate. We got Herbert, who's playing incredible, finally throwing the ball down the field. We have Eckler, you know, continuing to just have goal line work, which is crazy for Austin Eckler, considering he he never really has gotten it before. And Mike Williams showed some signs of life last week, hundred yards for the first time since like week four, I think, or something like that. And then Keenan is just full Keenan, you know, 28% target share. Finally, finally scoring some touchdowns, scored the two touchdowns last week. I mean, I I do, these guys are all going to be very popular, I think. Well, isn't Keenan banged up right now? He's on the COVID list, but he's vaccinated. Oh, that's what it is. So so he can, so he, he has a chance to play. Now, if Keenan doesn't play, are we interested in any of, you know, Cook, Guyton, Palmer? Guyton has flipped Palmer. He, he played 50% of the snaps last week, which is about as much as a third wide receiver on the Chargers can play because they play four tight ends. They, they dead ass play four tight ends. It's absurd. So, yeah. Uh, I actually would be more interested in Palmer, uh, even though, you know, to your point, it was Guyton last week, but – uh, I just have the Tyron Johnson stuff in my head from last year where I mean, he's you know, just as an all-time wind sprinter. Yeah. Guyton is just, yeah. He's, he's like the full Chris Hogan. Like he just, he just runs deep routes. He's Demir bird. You know, he, he, he's on the outside. 
He's challenging the defense deep. He's fast. He's helping other people get open because you do have to account for him. Like if you just don't cover right. him, like he can score a touchdown. Um, but outside of that, like he's not going to do anything. Uh, so I'd, I'd much rather take my chance on Palmer. You know, they just drafted him third round. He's, he's flashed. Uh, he's got a little Has bit more he? size. I don't know. I'm very biased against him from dynasty season. I mean, flash is probably a strong word, but like he's, he's, I've seen him out there and been like, Oh, he's, he looks like an NFL player. You know, he like and, he's not, like I, I can't, bum. I can't tell him and I can't tell him and Guyton apart watching them. Uh, I mean, I, he, he has like I guess, a little big to me. Josh yeah. Palmer, like bigger than I thought he'd look. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's 6'2", 210. That, that's yeah. big for a wide receiver in today's NFL. Yeah, so like some of the over-the-middle stuff, some of the, you know, what's opening up, I think is probably a better fit for Guyton. Or, I sorry, mean, if, for, he, for Palmer. if, if Palmer okay. comes in and plays that Keenan role, he's he is like an absolute, he's like an absolute jam because he is, uh, I mean, he's 3,000. And if so if we think he plays in the slot with no Keenan, I would be, I could I could be talked into Palmer, I think. I don't know what the chances of that are, and they're probably not very high, but I think the chances of Guyton doing that are like basically zero. Basically zero. Yeah, it's probably more likely that that Cook does it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which is, buddy, he's slow, man. He's very, Jerry Cook is very slow at this stage in his career. Um, I know it is. It is. All right. Remember so, when he was like the, the most like athletic guy ever. We were yes, about I do. I do. Re- I remember when Jared Cook was Donald Parham. I do. I, yeah, I, I'm was. old enough in fantasy football to remember that. Uh, all right. This will be the number one far and away most stacked game. All these, all the pieces here Buffalo at Tampa Bay in the dome. Steph Diggs is 8,100. Cole Beasley is 5,000. Manny Sanders is 4,900. Gabriel Davis scored the touchdown last week, but he only ran 10 routes. Um, we got Dawson Knox at 5,000. And then on the Tampa Bay side, we got Lenny at 7,400. Super popular, will be a huge jam. Chris Godwin at 7,100. People will play him. People will play less of Evans at 6,600 and Gronk at, at 6,000, which I actually think the sticker shock of that Gronk price will keep him from being like real popular. He'll be like 8, 9%, but... This is we we finally got to the game that everyone is going to want to use players from. Yeah, and I guess this does feel like one of those classic spots where I'll like let everyone pick how they want to play it and then come in and scoop the leftovers at low ownership and you know. I mean, it's always it's always Mike Evans. Mike Evans is always yeah. like that guy for the Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is always Mike Evans. Um and I wonder like are people going to play this primarily from the Brady side or the Josh Allen side. You know, it's just hard. It's it's probably the Brady side because I think that people have that people will have a little bit of that Monday night game in their head, which is stupid because no one should take anything from that game probably because it was right. uh one of the most uh, all-time um bizarre games. I mean, people will play will play both sides, I think. I mean, we have Brady, yeah. Uh people will play Brady and uh people will play a little bit more Josh Allen and and these owners I'm looking at our ownerships right now and they're wrong. They're way too low um but yeah people and brady is josh allen is 7800 and brady is is full priced at uh at 7600 it is tough to justify brady when you can get to allen for just for 200 more. more yeah yeah that's pretty wild um but you know brady like outside well, of the dig stuff is more stackable 
and the and the pass rate over expectation too. I mean, they they like are number one in the NFL in pass rate over expectation, and number one in the NFL in pass rate over expectation in the red zone. Like all they want to do is get Brady touchdowns. Yeah, although I do wonder if maybe the like you could do an Allen single stack with a Fournette bring back. That will probably be pretty popular, right? You know, people don't do the bring backs with the running back that often. I don't think. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not true, but I mean, uh, uh, Josh, uh, Dawson Knox, Steph Diggs, and Mike Evans. I mean, there you go. That that's a, that's a great way to, that's a great way to approach this game that will not be like super popular or super heavy duped. And it does feel, I mean, we just spent the whole slate going gross, gross, gross. So, uh, there's probably like, it's going to be difficult to get away from this game, you know, even if it's like a player. Yeah. Like you, you are going to have to talk yourself. You're going to have to talk yourself into, into someone else. If you don't want to take pieces from this game. And I think one of the games people are going to talk themselves into is San Francisco at Cincinnati. Uh, this, this one's a total of 49. Uh, Eli Mitchell may or may not play. He's in the concussion protocol. Jeff Wilson jr. Suffered a, a knee injury. And I think that uh, the team learned all they needed to learn about Jeff Wilson jr three weeks ago when he subbed in for Eli Mitchell, which is that he's just got no juice left. He had what 21 touches for 61 yards in that game. Um, so I, I think hasty would get uh, a majority of the running back work here. If Eli Mitchell is not able to come back from the concussion protocol. And uh, hasty wasn't active when Wilson got his correct. He, he had a high ankle sprain. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And hasty's also gotten work on receiving downs receiving downs Um, so it's pretty he feels like he's got a a pretty strong path to maybe he doesn't get like 100 percent of the snaps or anything let's say maybe he doesn't get 80 percent of the snaps but he's still going to get a lot of the high value snaps are we expecting debo back this week i'm a little bit pessimistic where are you at no i think so i don't have him in the projections right now and i have Ayuk for uh 24% snap share 15 points and I have Kittle for 29% snap share 17 points your 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 stack here super easy burrow t bring it back with Ayuk or or Kittle or both of them um yeah and and just hope that the absence of Eli Mitchell means that they will need to throw a little bit more which uh happened I believe but right I think that game where Eli Mitchell missed who is it again was it was that one against the jaguars um, uh yes yeah and and jimmy had i mean so they barely had to throw but he did throw he did have two passing touchdowns in that game uh and debo had a rushing touchdown which um would not ha- obviously is, is not gonna happen here. i i can see this game being stackable i mean t uh t like we're we're finally seeing t like be an alpha um yeah. he actually he actually in games they played together uh, he, he has more targets and, and has a larger target share than Jamar Chase, which is uh, not how I saw this season going after T started out so slow. Well, but uh, Jamar Chase has like a very deep dot, So yeah. the target share stuff is a little misleading in that regard where they, they have a very similar, both have a very high value role in the offense. Uh, and, and Chase, yes. I mean, I'm sure everyone saw the drop last week that Jamar Chase had. Oh, it was so bad. Gutting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, think we could be thinking about this very differently if he just catches a pass that hit him in the hands in stride, which he probably takes for a long touchdown. Um, but, yeah, I think both are pretty interesting. Like, if no one's going to play Chase again, I'm in. The price now is getting very close. T. Higgins 6,400, Chase 6,900. 
if the if the ownership is going to be on Higgins, uh, you know, give me Chase. It, I, I think, it will be. It will be. I mean, yeah. T will T will definitely be. Uh, well, I don't know. The price is close enough. Maybe it's not because their their prices have started to converge as Chase has had worse results and T has had better results. And I mean, our the the problem is is both of these teams want to run the ball. That that's the problem with with stacking right. this game is that the Bengals actually want to be a run heavy team and the 49ers want to do everything they can to hide Jimmy Garoppolo. Like it's like all, all of Kittle's stuff last week. The the first touchdown was actually a, a decent throw by Jimmy and then the second one was all Kittle. I mean, Kittle like he just weaved through like it felt like the entire defense on his second touchdown. Yeah, Kittle's awesome. I mean, that's I've been he's, very he's pro so Kittle. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, because you're just like, you you know, you, you're never gonna be able to project the targets very high, and you're never gonna project the efficient the efficiency to what it actually might be because he's awesome. So right. you know, I, I kind of. But um, your point about them hiding Garoppolo is so true. You know, they play pretty slow. Like they're hiding him. They're trying to limit the offensive volume. I mean, they've but had multiple also, drives of like over 10 minutes this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's wild. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what Washington's doing right now. Yeah. Where like when they are passing, they're pretty efficient. Uh, well, I mean, I don't even need the qualifier. They're, they're very efficient. Um, so, you know, it's, it, but it's a low volume thing and it's going to hurt Cincinnati. I don't know that Cincinnati is truly committing to the run here they've played a stretch of run funnels and they've played the matchups and so they and, certainly and are joe burrow joe burrow said we're, we want to establish it yeah he did say that yeah he did say but that. i also wonder if like maybe he's kind of having some fun but they're playing you know they're entering a game against the chargers when like of course you want to establish if they have the raiders like they've been playing these teams where you probably should shift to the run and they did uh san francisco is not a run funnel they're not like a pass funnel either, but they're not a run funnel if Burrow's healthy. And I think that's the key question here. What's what's the deal with his pinky? Um, oh, yeah, healthy, I forgot then, about that. Yeah, which really, I mean, could put a damper on this game. He was uh, clearly in pain and, it, you know, affects his grip on the ball and everything. So that, that definitely makes me a little bit more worried about playing this game. So we are we are looking at like an all-time chalk convergence on Tampa Bay Buffalo in – um single entry stuff this week like I, it, it won't get that out of control in like the millie maker or whatever but in single entry like in the spy in the red zone and stuff like there's going to be mm -hmm. crazy ownerships on these tampa bay buffalo players i think you're right because there's <laughs> are we done are we out of games we're, we're adding we're adding we're out of games the the one i can see myself <laughs> talking myself into is dallas washington that that's, that's yeah. where where you know, Dallas gets ahead and they still throw enough and those guys are efficient enough. They can get there without like 50 passing attempts. And then you got Bates, you got McLaurin, you got Gibson, like that, that one. And in, you know, divisional game, weird, weird shit happens in divisional games. Yeah. Dak doubles seem very attractive. Uh, the more, the more we talk through it. Um, yeah. Dalton Schultz is probably not, he seems like a little pricey, but, but Cooper Gallup um, and Lamb, are all like definitely in play at their price. So I mean, Cooper, Cooper, and Gallup are, are cheap. I mean, they are yeah. they are sub six k. Like they are they are cheap. So that is pretty. Yeah, nice. like imagine playing like Russell Gage over one of Amari over Cooper Gallup, or Michael yeah. Gallup. Yeah, it's, people will do it, buddy. No thank They're you. Running to no do thank it. you. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. All right. There we go. Let's, uh, let's get you out of here. What can people look forward to this week from, from ship chasing and from the walkthrough? Yeah. Ship chasing we're doing tonight. Um, we're, you know, heading into like the last waiver wire run of the year. So, you know, the time to time to, there's not really, really anyone to pick up this week. So it's a little anti. No, it's, it's, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's really gross. But, you know, we're also going to be talking a bit about the the season overall and uh, kind of lessons learned and stuff. And then, uh, as always, I'll have the, the walkthrough out on Friday uh, where I'll be doing a preview of every game, going through a lot of the, the stuff that I was talking about here, you know, pass rate over expected and, you know, taking a look at some of these defenses to see, like, if, uh, you know, should we buy into the Chiefs defense, that recent trend. At this point in the season, I think a lot of it is like – Maybe the that's the answer. Maybe – Maybe the Chiefs with uh, with Renfro or, or uh, Deshaun Jackson. Maybe that's maybe that's the answer. That's interesting. Um, Renfro, I mean, he's getting his work, and that's he's a way to un- kind of he's unbelievable. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, there we go. Everyone, follow follow Pat Crane on Twitter. Watch Ship Chasing. Read the walkthrough, and uh, we'll be back later in the week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.